John 1, beginning at verse 35. This is God's holy and infallible word. The next day, John was there again, and this is John the Baptist, remember. John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. That's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. And he then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's God's word for us this morning. How God calls people into his new creation. We get the words come and see a number of times in our text. Did you notice that? What are we called What are we being called to come and see exactly? One answer to that, that we're going to focus on this morning, is that we are called to come and see the new creation that God is making and revealing in Jesus. Why do I say that? Why do I put that in terms of creation and new creation? Well, just like John 1, 1 starts out within the beginning, so does Genesis 1, 1, right? John is making a connection with creation. And then, back to one of our previous readings, verse 29, it says, the next day. And then, verse 35, the next day. And then, Verse 43, the next day. And then into chapter 2, on the next day. It's very striking. The next day, the next day. I agree with a lot of people who think that John, by highlighting those days, is making that connection with Genesis 1 that he already made by saying in the beginning. He's making it very, very clear. What do we have in Genesis 1? Well, 
we have this incredible unfolding of creation day by day. Now, in this New Testament gospel, the gospel of John, we have Jesus, in Jesus, a new creation that's unfolding and blossoming. There is rebirth, being born again, like we talked about in verse 13, and we're going to talk about again with Nicodemus in John 3. In the gathering of God's people in Jesus, the beginnings of the New Testament church, there is a new creation. There's a new thing going on that God has been planning from the beginning of time in Jesus Christ. And what our verses tell us, they tell us how God calls people into that new creation. All of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us about Jesus calling the disciples. The disciples were those 12 guys set aside for special service for the three years that Jesus was on this earth. But here in John, I think we've got something more going on. There's a different focus. I believe these verses are about the conversion of these guys. This is about not as much them being called to service like the other, the other gospels was. This is about their conversion. This is about their hearts turning to Jesus, something much more, much more personal. So we're being asked to come and see something miraculous when it, when it comes down to it. We're being given a glimpse of how God changes hearts here. We're being shown how he turns people to himself, how people are converted. And I believe we see three ways, there are three distinct different ways that God calls these people to faith. And they are three ways that God continues to use today. And, and we've got to be in tune with these three ways if we want to be in tune with God's mission and how he works in this world. The first way God calls people and people are converted is through the faithful word of a preacher. Through the faithful word of a preacher. That's way number one. That's how these first two people turn to Jesus in our text. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. We get one of their names, Andrew, not the other one, and that makes some people think this was John, the guy writing the gospel, because he never refers to himself by name, but it doesn't have to be John. It could, we don't know who it was. We get Andrew and then another one, John the Baptist, who is the preacher, what does he do? He points them to Jesus with his message. He's preaching Jesus, right? He's proclaiming Jesus. And then what do they do? They hear the message and they follow Jesus. And God continues to use the faithful proclamation of his word to save lost people. Romans 10 is foundational for how we look at that. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? God uses preaching 
in a special way in his plan to convert people, to call them into this new creation that he's building. Secondly, God calls people through the warm invitation of another, the warm invitation of someone else. Verse 41, the first thing that Andrew does is find his brother Simon, and he tells him about Jesus. And Simon is saved. And also, later, Philip tells Nathaniel, and after Jesus interacts with Nathaniel, he's converted. And this is another major way through which God continues to work today, through people, through us, through you and me, through a warm invitation Warmly inviting someone else to Jesus, whether you're inviting a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, someone on the street. Third, people are called through a direct experience of God in their life. That's what happens with Philip. Verse 43, Jesus finds Philip and he says, follow me, and Philip is saved. As one pastor who talks about this puts it, this shows us that even when these main methods, these main instruments of God, preaching and people, don't have an effect, you know what? God is not at the end of his rope. He can and he will work directly in people's hearts through no instrument, through no means if he chooses. Isn't that amazing? Jesus went out and he found Philip. He pointed and said, yeah, you, you, follow me. And Philip did. God continues to work this way. Did you know that there are unprecedented reports around the world of people in Muslim countries who are having visions of Jesus? Jesus is coming to them in visions and they're becoming Christians. Unprecedented reports of this. In countries where preaching is out loud, no churches, no gatherings of God's people out, God can and will and does work. Now, we might even take this a step further and say these three are put in order of priority by John. The rest of the Bible seems to confirm this. God's main primary method of converting people is through preaching, the faithful proclamation of his word. And this is the reason why number one in Faith CRC's mission statement is that we want people to what? Experience God's word. We put preaching first because we believe God puts it first in his plan for calling people to himself. And i got to tell you, not all churches do this, either in their mission statement or in practice. But we are part of the new creation at faith. We want to be an active part in the gathering in of God's people in God's way, not coming up with our own ideas. And so we put experience God's word first. Second in priority is people. God uses us, people, to extend warm invitations to those who need to meet Jesus. It's the second piece to our mission. We express God's love. We express God's love in many, many different ways. But the most ultimate way to express the love of God is to tell them about Jesus, right? And to bring them to Jesus. 
Third, God is so great, he's so sovereign, he doesn't have to use any human instrument at all to save people. He can work directly in their hearts. And while he most often uses preaching and people, he can meet people right where they are at any time, in any place in the world, and he has done that throughout history, and he still is doing it. As God calls people in these different ways, he also calls all different sorts of people, just like here. We could get into the details of it, but we won't. Each, each one of these, I believe, was called in a way that met them in their situation and where and how they were ready to respond. And we learn more about some of these guys' personalities as the Gospels go on. And sometimes, you know, there are people out there who say only certain types of people will become Christians. You know, maybe folks who aren't intellectually so bright will be attracted to Christianity. Maybe people who are a little more emotional or only men who are more effeminate are attracted to Christianity. Yeah, that's an argument that's made by sociologists. It really is. And I don't know about you men, but I get a little upset when people question my manhood. And I'm a little more upset, too, because all of that is not true. All throughout history, God has called all different sorts of people. The biggest variety you can imagine, rich and poor, all different colors, Dutch and Chinese and Russians and Egyptians and Ethiopians, people with high IQs, people with kind of low IQs, people with wonderful personalities, people with difficult personalities, people who are beautiful by the world's standards, people who are plain looking, professors and presidents and garbage men, women, men, children, and he's still doing all that today and we are a part of it different ways, all sorts of different people, including you. A few, four exactly, four takeaways from all this to conclude. One is this. God is calling you today. God is calling you today, my friend. The great physician can meet anyone in their particular situation and need, even you in your situation. He's calling you and he's saying, look, the Lamb of God. He's calling you and saying, come see for yourself. Did you notice all these different names for Jesus in this text? It's amazing. Like creation was a fireworks display in the universe, we've got here in this new creation story a fireworks display of the Logos, of Jesus. We're brought to the Lamb, the Christ, our Rabbi, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the King. All of those names lifting up Jesus to say, Behold, come and see to us. Do you hear the call of the Logos, of Jesus? Respond. Give your heart to him. Join the multitudes throughout history. Ultimately, his call is irresistible. We call that the irresistible grace of God. You can't resist it. So why not turn to Jesus now?
just like these very first believers, Andrew and Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, Gary, Cindy, Joe, Emily. He knows you too. He knows what you need, and he calls you to come to him. He says, follow me in whatever situation you find yourself today. It could be one of deep disappointment in life. It could be one of illness, long-term recovery. It could be in the midst of a death or a loss. It could be losing a job. It could be starting a new job. God is calling you today. Second, work toward the upbuilding of his church, which supports that primary means of the proclamation of the word. That's what we rally around, the faithful proclamation of his word. That's what equips us. That's what transforms us. Preaching happens in the church. So if preaching is the main way God chooses to use, and it happens in the church, that means the church is a pretty important place. So I invite you to be active in your church. Be excited about your church. Work vibrantly in it. This isn't the the time to sort of take and receive and sit back and evaluate, but it's the time to be involved in God's primary way of saving people. Look for needs that are highlighted in your church and respond. Make sure you're here to listen to the proclamation of God's word. That, that proclamation of God's word, you know, the Bible says, and it's true, that it seems foolishness to man. But it's not. That's what God chooses to use, how he comes in power and transforms us. Trust that. Know it. Recommit this morning to God's people, to the church, or commit to it for the very first time if you need to do that. A third takeaway. As Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus, think about who God may have placed in your life to introduce to Jesus. The results aren't only always as quick and dramatic as here. We don't always see the results, but there are many ways that we can warmly invite others to meet Jesus. Even if you don't see a conversion right away, like we do here, do know that your seed is planted, and by God's grace, it's being used in that person's life. When is the last time that you warmly invited another person to Jesus, friend. When's the last time? It's a primary way that God uses to save people. Finally, I encourage you to pray for the direct work of God in people's lives and in this world. Remember that even apart from those main instruments of preaching in people, God is at work. In countries where the gospel isn't even allowed, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our hearts, even. Pray for a great work of God in this land, in our church, in your own life, where we'll see God active in powerful, powerful ways. May we truly behold the Lamb, and may we be built up in the Word and in the Lord's Supper today to be a part of this most exciting mission that has ever existed. God calling people to himself, establishing the new creation. 
God's people, the church.